You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Enjoy the show. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your hosts, Adam Thorne and Mark Hampton. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. Hello, guys. Welcome to the JRE Review Podcast. Uh, This is your host, Mark Hampton, joined by Adam Thorne. What's going on, Adam? Not much, buddy. How are you? I'm good, dude. How's the week? Yes, it is shaping up, and uh, we've had some good episodes. Some interesting, some controversial ones, too, coming in. Yes, we have. Heavy. Uh, We we got one from last week that we're throwing down. That's the Malcolm Gladwell uh, 1383 podcast. Uh, We're going to cover that one. Then Paul Stamets, the Mushroom Man. Great to have him back on. Podcast 1385. And then we're going to finish up. With good old Matt Taibbi, thirteen eighty six. Yeah, and I nailed his last name. Thank God. You nailed it. <laughs> All right. So Malcolm is a journalist, author. Um, he wrote the book The uh, Outliers, uh, which I own, mm-hmm. and it's very interesting. It's uh, just basically about it. He was on before and and talked about it with Joe, and it's just like how very successful people became who they are, and like what the training and the procedures were for that. So he, he kind of does a lot of statistical work in a sense. Uh, he doesn't really analyze cases of things, but he just looks for patterns. And he opens up talking to Joe mm-hmm. with a controversial, and you and and a lot of us remember this because it was it got a lot of press controversial situation with a police officer arresting an african-american lady for i believe having not not signaling it was something very tiny it wasn't it wasn't much but then well, wasn't every, it? Go on. yeah god it would just escalated into she ended up smoking she wouldn't put a cigarette out the police officer got pretty pissed off arrested her and and sadly in custody a few days later she committed suicide and they kind of broke down the the whole take she, on that she was in custody like three days too something like that wasn't it yeah it was a while yeah. for something as tiny as that and she yeah. she'd been in trouble with the cops before she had plenty of other outstanding tickets so you know malcolm talked about her just being very frustrated you know with the whole system and i and i think if anyone's had a ticket which everybody has i'm sure um mm-hmm. you know you you do feel like I don't know. It's frustrating, obviously, even if you did break the law. But it's one of those things. It's like, damn it, they caught me. You know, they got me for this. Fuck. Now I have to pay for it. And if you end up getting maybe a another parking ticket within a few days or like something else, it feels like everything's against you. So, you know, you can easily start getting pretty pissed off with law enforcement because of that, which is somewhat understandable for some people. Right. One hundred percent. But the question is. Was this handled well? Was Should it have been handled like this? And really, the real question is, what is the alternative? Yeah, yeah um, I, I think without a doubt it wasn't handled well. 
right? Um, the, I, I, there were also questions about, because she was left alone in that cell. I mean, it's a little Jeffrey Epstein, right? On a, on a, on a different, on the other end of the scale type of thing where I'm, there was a lot of people who thought maybe she wasn't, she didn't kill herself that, you know, she, you know, was left. Then maybe she was murdered or maybe that they should have been watching her and they were, there was some talk about that early on, but I think, I think that, um, just because of the, like the profile of the case, it would have been, I mean, there's very little real motive to, to go to such lengths. So that one's a tough one. And then when they look into her, I guess she was on different types of medication. She just made a big mm-hmm. change in her life and tried to like that's right, start she did, anew, didn't she? and then immediately gets hit again. So that's a bit of a motive for like just being really fed up with the whole situation. Whether they handled it, it right or not, leaving her alone to to do that was you know no good. Well, the, she shouldn't have been in jail for three days for something as minor as that. I mean, what the hell? You should should have been bailed. She should have been you know, booked and released on her own recognizance that afternoon and with a yeah. set court date. Like, there's no reason, like, that's a minor thing. She should have been, I mean, it should, she should have been in out in two hours. There's no re- reason to go through an arraignment or a bail here or a bond hearing. Like, uh, it, it's it's going to end up being a misdemeanor at best. You know what really would have happened? The prosecutor probably would have thrown it out. There's absolutely no reason that she should have been in jail for three days for such a fucking minor thing. For sure. And th- for that, I agree with, right? Definitely. But mm-hmm. reeling it in a little just to the, the circumstances that led to it, circumstances of the arrest, like how the police officer acted. You know, it's easy to jump on cops case, right? And that that was really my immediate thought as well. Like, I'm not a police officer. And really, the only time I deal with them on either about to get in trouble or think I might be, you know? So you get nervous sure. and, you, and you you come up with your own way of perceiving them, which is understandable. You know, they can, you know, they got guns. And if if you do something wrong enough, they're allowed to shoot you potentially. It's scary stuff. Of course. But yeah. I, do, I do have friends that are police officers, um, a few in Inglewood even, which is close to us. And... Mm-hmm. I spoke to them. I actually wanted to get one of them on, and, and he was going to come and talk about it, but uh, we couldn't get that arranged. But he, he he passed some interesting thoughts. Now, obviously, being a cop, he's going to be more than likely on the side of the cop, and he he wasn't of course. he wasn't super up to date on this case, though he had listened to Rogan, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you can get quite a bit of information off what uh, Malcolm was saying. Of course. But he, but one thing he did lay out, because I said straight up to him, there, there was the issue of her smoking, and she wouldn't put the cigarette out. And I was just thinking, well, if that's not against the law, then she's allowed to do it, and these cops need to stop uh, stepping over their, you know, the, their, their mark with that. But mm-hmm. at the same point, and you and I have both worked security in bars and nightclubs, and, you know, you're still doing it. We also know that if you're having an issue with somebody... And then from the get-go, they're just not listening to anything that you say, right? They were, you know, right. You're like, just please stand over here. Don't take your drink out. And everything is pushed back. Then it, almost the only way to get a hold of that situation is to, is to kind of double down on your original request, even if they're not really like the policy. Like standing over here or 
putting your drink down there is maybe not like official bar policy, like written in the handbook of security for that, but is a bit of discretion, right? There's a bit of discretion. You can't have everything written in there. And he made that point and he's saying, look, she already has a lot of tickets, right? She's already had Mm -hmm. some issues with the law, which could make her volatile in in some degree, right? And yeah, it's just a woman. But and what I mean by that is to say that he should then think, yeah. Perceived no reason to think she'd be violent or anything like that. Yeah, but at the same time, he's got to kind of treat everyone in a little bit the same way, right? There's a lot of tickets. This is just the process. She's not sure. listening, and I need to get a hold of this situation. And through, I don't know, lack of training, having a bad day, you know, or just being like a kind of very reactive person, it seemed like he did overreact and... um got kind of unnecessarily aggressive and he really just didn't give her the space necessary to calm the situation down exactly but it was an interesting take it was interesting to be like ah that it kind of is a bit of that like i think what would i do in that situation and it's like at the end of the day you know if i have a complaint about something that was happening like oh he made me put my cigarette out well it i think it's pretty clear that that you should just try and follow them at the end of the day, and then, yeah, you can complain about it later if you feel like it was all handled wrong, you know, either in court or with a lawyer, but I don't think that that's the time to argue it. Uh, I, I definitely think they're, um, if you're pulled over by the police, it, it, it's, especially if it's a case that doesn't seem to start at 10, I, I think, and it's so easy for me as a white guy to say this, but you definitely don't want to pick fights where you don't need them. Um, and that's just kind of like, that's just kind of a bit common knowledge, I suppose. But I will say that cops have a lot of power. They have the power of life and death because they have sidearms. And they can use them if they perceive a threat. Um they have to be held to a high standard. They can't. And one of those things is you, you can't escalate situations to those places. Now, uh, this woman took her own life, sadly, or at least that's, that's what it seems like. Um, and we, we've already gone over the specifics of that case, but we've had a lot of cases, instances where things have escalated very quickly from, you know, zero to 60 in two seconds. And people have died. Unarmed people have died. People in their own yards have died. Things like that. Um, and that you also have to understand this foremost in the African-American community's mind whenever they're pulled over. Um, but so it, getting back to my original point, cops wield a lot of power. With that comes a lot of responsibility, to quote Spider-Man comics. And they <laughs> um, there needs to be an emphasis on de-escalation always. I mean, just like... Just you, you and I work in the door. We also, you know, we set boundaries and we set rules and that's part of it. You know, please don't smoke there. You can't take a drink out. You know, the only power we really wield is that, well, we'll ask you to leave. Like, or you can't get into the bar. So it acts on this balance of power as you want something, which is to get into the bar. And we have the power to not allow that. So you getting it is contingent upon you following these rules. Now, you and I, I can safely say, don't ever abuse that power. We just don't. 
I don't care. I don't care about power. I don't care about wielding power over anyone. We, you know, don't lie about your service dog. Don't smoke inside. Don't become a drunk asshole and pick fights. That's kind of it. Other than that, leave me alone. That's that's my number one rule. Leave me alone. Um, but you have people that do wield power because think of any uh, wield power irrationally and irresponsible because irresponsibly because think about any job you've ever had. There's always one asshole there. Always. There's always that one guy in the office that everybody can't stand, or the one guy at the bar, or the factory, or the warehouse, or wherever it is. He's like, oh, this fucking guy. He's so annoying. Now give that person a gun. That's, that's, you're looking at that situation. Um, and some of these people are like that. So cops have a responsibility to de-escalate, not escalate. In all areas. And it's not too much to ask of them when we give them the power of life and death. It's not. It's not too much to ask. It's not too much to expect. So any of these situations, and this one you know, in particular, where you see a cop that's escalating, not de-escalating, um, that is problematic to me. They need to be trained better. Um, we do a thing just in bars, good cop, bad cop. Um, but it also is kind of like a customer service thing. Wherever someone's aggression is targeted, you remove that person from the equation and you bring in another person. That's why servers always go get managers when tables are upset. It shifts the anger and the frustration from said server to the manager. The manager's there to take the brunt of the abuse because they don't get tipped their salary so they can do that. Um, but they also remove a person from the steps so that energy is dissipated because now you're talking to someone else. Same when we do this in doors. If somebody has aggression over some towards one of our door guys, what do we always do? We kind of remove them and we bring in the other door guy. We bring in the, the manager and then they can come in and say, hey, what's going on? What's the problem? They can be reasonable and rational because the energy is not pointed towards them. Am I making sense? Am I rambling? No, no, that's right. I mean, that, that ideally, that's what you'll do. Ideally, and, you know, that's go, what you have to do. Going back to, like, not that we have any power on the door. It's, like, the least powerful position Zero. you're going to have. But there are those guys, right? There are those doormen that are real fucking, like... They're pricks. They, they, you know, you can tell. They think they fucking own the place. And they're making up rules and just being dicks and not even smiling or talking. And, you know, it never hurts just to be a little friendly. Again, rules have to be followed. Ever. In this case, though, there was only him. Right, right, and saying he could have got backup, yeah, that's it. But there's just not the resources for it, more than likely. Uh, the thing I, I, that I don't know the particulars to, uh, of the case well enough to make that determination. Yeah, but, but I mean, at the end of the day, for a traffic stop with a signal, even if he has to arrest someone, and I mean, probably a after the arrest, he probably did call in some more people, but not not totally. during the like the whole thing. Well, you can just leave her in the car. I mean, how many times do you see a guy get? You know, guy on the sidewalk, and there's six cop cars and eight dudes, uh, officers out there just twiddling their thumbs for the most part. And I've seen that. And maybe that's just a Southern California thing. We see it all the fucking may, time. You know, it may have ended. I don't know exactly how. Could have been. Could have been. End I don't of know. That went down. But one thing seemed clear, right? So the cigarette question after talking to my cop buddy, I'm like, okay. Yes, you know, please. They, they kind of, well, they kind of really were focusing on that in the cases like that's the thing that was like led to the rest or at least started it all and you know malcolm was saying look it's one of those things where she was probably mm -hmm. stressed she was doing it to reduce the stress he should have noticed it blah blah blah. that might be a stretch right all he saw well, was that something was going down that he didn't want in that situation 
right whether there's a particular law for it or not i don't i i just i don't know i'm siding a little bit on the side of like you know just maybe do what they're asking but the where he lost me in this whole thing is that he didn't slow it down and that was a big point that malcolm made which i really think was his strongest argument though honestly mm-hmm. joe and malcolm were like very i have to say it they were very like anti-cop with this whole response and and saying kind of broadly about yeah. cops doing this all the time and blah, blah but at the end of the they're pulling over a fuck ton of people to think That's that they're true. just escalating everything all day just doesn't make any sense to me i mean they they don't want to have this constantly you know they, they're not trying to make their job potentially more dangerous than it needs to be right um, so there, there are examples but the, the slowing it down is what was missing he didn't give Always. everyone space and time and just be like okay let's just you know get a hold of this and i'm by no means am i saying i would have done a better job i am not trained for anything like that but it, it just never right, no. hurts when shit's getting tense to like create the space and since he was like you said in that position of power it would it you know he had the opportunity to do it he could have controlled it to that point and just been like okay this is getting a bit out of control why don't you just finish your cigarette you know because you're not listening to me anyway and just mm-hmm. take a step back give her five minutes like wh- where did he need to go to anyway like he spent time arresting her that was most of the rest of his day so that, that stuff will always dissipate it has to it has nowhere i mean it, you, people will exhaust themselves yeah. unless they're manic or something like that and that's a whole other issue but eventually it's going to it's going to simmer down it will it's just i mean because i mean shit if you think about it most anger is irrational most when because what's the first thing people say when people are starting to lose their temper it was like hey calm down calm down of course which never fucking works because no, no anger that, doesn't feel like move. yeah no no anger isn't doesn't feel like it's the what should be our natural state you know what i mean yeah but there that anger will go off into the ether somewhere and it eventually said person will calm down you come back to reason at that point point adrenaline's just firing you're fired up it'll calm down you got to give them the space yeah it could have ended very differently it well, could have been not gonna very not gonna do very well without cops right so so this whole no. thing of like yeah they they may need more training and this is probably a good example of like how not to go into something like this, uh, of course. But there, there's lessons on both sides, I think. It wasn't just as cut as dry, cut and dry as like, he fucked up, he was all wrong, and this led to this awful thing. I mean, it, there was a lot of that. But True. at the same time... I, the uh, Yes, everybody has some responsibility, but he has all the power and she has none. It's true. So he true. he gets to de- he gets to decide which ways way this things go. He gets to decide how he reacts because he knows he's had. I mean, they know what to expect when they pull people over. A lot of people are going to be upset. I mean, it's it, it's reasonable. How, it's it's reasonable to be upset. You have to yeah. understand like things like that. It's it's different when we have a line at the bar and people are like. Oh, but my friends are inside. It's like, yo, 
like you, you get in in five minutes. I'm not giving you. You're not getting a hundred dollar ticket for speeding. It's like <laughs> you're just you're just waiting five minutes to get into a fucking bar until a couple of people get out so the fire marshal doesn't come shut us down because we're over capacity. It's really not that big a deal. People you know? get upset for for lesser things. So it, yeah, of course, lesser things. So they... you kind of get that they're going to be upset, and that should be part of the understanding. But he gets to decide how he reacts to that if she wants to smoke even if he feels like he's being disrespected i'm sorry unfortunately disrespect being disrespected is that is not a you don't get to demand that it is not against the law to be disrespected unfortunately and that's something you have to live with that's part of the job. In the same way that doctors have to live with possibly getting pricked by syringes and things like that. You assume that risk. So when you're yeah, a cop, I, I think you that have if to you're ass- putting your no, if you're if you're doing something like that, you're antagonizing the situation. Like, yeah, you're annoyed. You are, but they but they don't have power to the to the situation. The person being pulled over has no power. They are at the mercy of said person pulling them over. Which well, true, but you can't just do what you want. Like they, Why not? They, they gotta follow. Why? Well, look, you can't have your radio up because that's gonna get in the way of being able to hear. Like he has some procedures that he has to go through, and that could be a major distraction. I don't think that that's super unreasonable. The way he asked, the way he went about it, maybe he could have mm-hmm. done that in a different way. Obviously, he was like increasing the tension. It would have been True. better if he had done it by reducing it. But I don't think that it's unreasonable. Like he's already right next to the window. You know, you're blowing smoke out of there. Like, there's there's a portion of it that's just like, this is this dude's job as well. And believe me, I'm not True. trying to stick up for him all the way. I'm just trying to find no, I get the points in it where it's like, okay, what can anyone learn from this? What can we get from it? Are we just going to say, you can't tell me to put that cigarette out? Well, good fucking luck. I wouldn't recommend that at all. Like, right. that's, that's, that's not my takeaway. That's not my takeaway. Right. Let me ask you this. What did you think about their conversation when it came to using the precincts as like revenue streams for the city you know mm-hmm. you've all heard of this like it's the end of the month they've got their quota their quotas they've gotta, yeah they've got to get so many in so you get like these kind of bullshit um tickets going down and blah 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 um you know that that's a look it kind of makes sense that precincts mm-hmm. would do that like should they and and I don't know, but you can pretty much count on a certain amount of tickets. And like anything, once money is coming in, like it becomes a revenue right. stream that's like a staple. And uh, does it mean that like bogus tickets are getting set up? I mean, it's it's definitely possibly, a, 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 possibly right? But it's a different situation it's that happening than than just a, a police officer overreacting because it really has nothing to do with that. Somebody could have a quota and speak very respectfully to a lot of people that ordinarily he would let slide for a taillight or a sure. or a, a turn signal not going on. But then he's like, well, you know, I, I got to get some of these people. Otherwise, everyone's going to fucking have no taillights mm-hmm. and not, you know. Well, signal. yeah, I mean, there's there's two. I mean, the, there's definitely a thought that um, the quotas are sped up, uh, are, are set statistically statistically they expect this number of infractions per month therefore 
if you're doing your job effectively, you should have said quota of tickets because statistically it says that's the number of people you should be catching. So that's that's one school thought about it. But I definitely I loathe the idea that fining citizens for these infractions is a way to make money for the um, for the state county district whatever you call it hell i even thought and this was a passing thought this was not a serious thought but like putting a um like trying to get a petition for a proposition that would disallow uh any money made off of traffic tickets or um speeding tickets anything like that to actually go to like state coffers or anything that it would have to be like donated to charity or something like that because like that'd be that'd be the perfect way to ensure that there's no um, ill intent there. It's like no, they don't get you don't get the money. You don't get the money from the fines. They're gonna go elsewhere. It's gonna go to charity. It's gonna go to kids with fucking you know lupus or something. But you're not yeah. you don't get to decide. Um, well, it's a nice yeah, idea, I've, but who knows if that then means oh, every precinct has now two less police cars and. And five less police officers. Well, they They're should like, get that. Hold on, hang on a minute. But that should be that should be allocated through um, through budgeting um, in the city. Like yeah. it should they it should be allocated. And it should be allocated based on tax revenue. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Now, now moving on to the the second half of that thing, and and we we'll just uh, finish up this one with that. They jumped into the Bernie Maddock thing, right? And the Ponzi scheme. Now, I didn't know a yeah. lot about this. Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, my bad. Um, Yeah, Madoff. So, so, I mean, everyone's heard of it. Everyone has heard the word Ponzi scheme and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, has some idea of what went down. But it was amazing to me when he was talking about it how there were, I mean, the majority of the large investors that he had, and bearing in mind this guy wasn't making any trades at all. No. As far as, like, they were saying – and they, these were s- smart, wealthy people that, sh- mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I don't want to take anything away from how much of a sociopath he was, because he definitely was. But my God, he did tap into some greed, some real greed of oh, these hell people yeah. in a sense. And, you know, the fact that they just weren't checking in on this stuff, they just believed <laughs> that these huge returns were like, yeah, okay. Seems reasonable well, to me. I mean that's how hedge fund managing works. They just take your money and they're responsible for it. I mean, and you know, you don't look, you don't see. They they do all the trades. You basically entrust them with it. Yeah, I just would have thought that you know, if you're kind of a multimillionaire, and then you know, you're doing your taxes, you probably got like a whole group of tax attorneys helping you out with that because you know they're saving you so much money and trying to find these loopholes or whatever they do. You would have just thought over the years that somebody would have just been like, yeah, let's just analyze these investments real quick. I mean, not knowing anything about it. I don't, <laughs> somebody I did mean, eventually. <laughs> well, but it, from what they were saying, it seemed like it was because of the crash in 2008, uh-huh. the financial crash, people started to try and pull their money out too quick. And right. that's when he couldn't get it all that money together to start giving them back. But right. they were saying straight up, it, it may have continued today if that hadn't happened. Sure. Because nobody had, like, put this shit together, and he'd done it for decades. That, to me, is unbelievable that there was such a gap of knowledge in the system. 
And it's and pretty, to say yeah. who the fuck else is doing it? To believe that he could be the only one? Maybe people are doing it on a much smaller basis and actually oh, I think making so. a few trades and then damn. I mean, is yep. there any hope for like do they have systems in place now that can fucking catch these dudes? It's a good question and I, I don't know I don't I don't know enough about that um to to speak intelligently on it. I don't know what the systems are in place and stuff. I will say that w- Wall Street gets away with a hell of a lot of shit. <laughs> it's I hard. think that through it his son killed himself, right? Yeah, I believe so. Bernie went to jail and has no remorse from from the snippets of the conversation that I was hearing. And then also right. I guess there was this other investor that had billions and had to give like half of it back and I think he ended up face down in his pool and there was like I was googling something about that like it was a little suspicious, but it was one of those, you know? Mm-hmm. And and the f- interesting thing about that one is he was only required, I think, to give back, like, half of his, like, seven billion. And I'm like, uh-huh. what, are you, what are you saying? You couldn't live on three and a Can- half billion? Good Lord. I could live on one billion. Oh, could you? Like, like easy. <laughs> easy. Easy. I know it sounds yeah, kind of so. crazy, but I bet I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that's that's just another example of the greed, though. You know, it's like, you know, you lose, you go from so much of it. Maybe it was more reputation at that point. Maybe he was yeah. like, my reputation is so destroyed. And that's and true. My entire social network's gonna just completely diss me, and I'm nobody just would be ever seen trust him again. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it was more that, but scary stuff. Really, it is. I, I would like. There's got to be some documentaries about that guy. I got to check that out. Oh, I'm sure there I'm are. Check that out. You know what? Uh, you know what I'd do with a billion dollars if I had like had a billion dollars. What? I'd, I'd become Batman. <laughs> Batman. Because <laughs> that's how much it costs to be Batman. Apparently, it's like a billion dollars. And probably how how long I'd, do you how far do you think you get before you just end up killing yourself with one of your I'll gadgets? Day, day and a half. <laughs> two days. <laughs> one of those. No, not even not two days. Not two days. Like maybe a Saturday and a Sunday, unlike. Unlike a holiday weekend where there's not a lot going on. Yeah, you'd be too <laughs> eager to like test out the jetpack that they just made and they're like, We really need to test oh. this a bit more. You're like, Listen, bro, I've been drinking, I'm ready to do this. <laughs> exactly. And I'm dead. Oh, over. Like some right. idiot with a billion dollars died dressed as Batman this weekend. Oh, it'd be uh, funny as hell. Fuck, that was Mark. <laughs> yeah, I'd laugh. I'd laugh. I know you would. I know. All right, next up we got Paul Stamets. Uh, podcast 1385 paul is a great guy super chill always has amazing stories he is uh studies mushrooms there's probably a word for it fungiologist i don't know mushroomologist mushology yeah it's a mushology yeah yeah but he his conversation uh with joe uh, was really fascinating because obviously he loves mushrooms he has a mushroom hat I guess you can make clothes out mm. of mushrooms, though he said they're really flammable, so he was not selling me on that. And <laughs> yeah, so you got to be very careful because they—it's like a fuse. I'm like, oh Jesus, okay. Um, it's good to know. It, yeah, what's what's cool is he got into talking about mainly different types of mushrooms that you can trip on, and like he did a lot of research on different ones and what which ones are legal, which ones are not, different effects here and there. But then he jumped on to something that I found really interesting. And there's a, a new app that he was talking about called microdose.me. And you can mm. download it for Android and, and 
um, Apple and I downloaded it. And it's just a thing where, of course I did. And the, you can start microdosing and logging the results into this app. And it's going to be collected by these people that can study it, you know, statisticians and whatever else. And it's almost like a workaround for the fact that it's like a schedule one drug that hmm. that no one can do any research on. And it's like a bit of research on the side in the sense of, you know, they're not going to go around and see who has this app and then assume that the information you're putting in is correct and then show up at your house and arrest you for microdosing. Like, right. You're going to you'll be OK. Like, there's not the resources for that. But, he, again, he talks a lot about, uh, like, lion's mane, for example, which is not a psychoactive mushroom, but it's, it's very good for your health for a lot of reasons. It's a, lot, a lot of mushrooms are like nootropics for your mm-hmm. brain. And in combination with microdosing, you know, it, it c- has the effect to make you very creative. Sure. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I I just thought that's that it's going to be so fascinating to like actually get some real research because in a sense look, marijuana now legal in a lot of places in California, yes, it's more and more everywhere and they're making money from it and mm-hmm. you know, people aren't dying. We're, we're learning that it's okay. The next generation is going to see it as like it's fine, you know, smoke up a joint as long as you're not drinking all day. You know, it's healthier for you. Um but we're in the real early stages of anything like that for, for uh, shrooms. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it was like, was it Colorado or Oregon with like putting it on the ballot to vote for decriminalization of psilocybin? One of those two states sounds like something Oregon would do. Yeah. Oh, definitely Colorado. But there's it's no. Nice. Um, there's no. Uh, I mean, there have been some studies done. There, there seems to be absolutely no evidence that. That it is um, detrimental to your health in any way. Yeah, and I don't think you can OD on it too. Other than like going to the center of the universe. And yeah, tripping God. balls. Tripping <laughs> right. major balls. How did he die? He met God. Ah, yeah. mushrooms. <laughs> but it would be fascinating to know like what kind of advantages can happen. Can you take someone that's not a very creative person, right? Start microdosing them. So very, very small amounts of psilocybin. It doesn't affect them. They can barely feel it, if at all. And that things are actually changing within them with their behavior, their energy, their creative output. Um, it's going to be fascinating to to kind of see how Let's this try it. progresses, right? That's what like I'm saying. Like with a friend, not us, but like with somebody that doesn't know. <laughs> oh, we don't tell them? We just yeah, watch who, and... who's, who's the most dull person we know? And we'll just start microdosing them and see if they get more interesting. The least, the least creative person we know. One hundred percent. Oh boy, it's such a such a group of usual suspects to choose from. Well, they were saying that um, psilocybin, for one, is when people have taken kind of large doses of it, right? They, you get some interesting effects with addiction. Is it actually helps break addiction? There's there's been some studies done with that, and like even for people quitting smoking, which I think is beautiful because some people really struggle with that i mean my mother smoked forever she has quit now but god it got her to like she was 60 years old before she can do it and my other uncle still doing it and i think he has yeah like lung disease and and you gotta ask yourself you know you hear that and you think well what an idiot like stop but but it really has a hook on people and yeah. if there's a chance that people can use that and kind of step away from it to to not explore it 
you know, knowing that it doesn't cause any physical harm or like long-term effects. It's, right. Uh, it, that it's just it's a shame. It's it's just kind of crushing to the medical community. It's kind of embarrassing too. It's like I know, dude. We we have this. There's the potential. At least look at it. At least check it out and study it. I mean, if only the, if the only way you can get a hold of it legally is to go to a clinic because of a major addiction, and then they put you through a thing and you trip balls, and then wow, we've cured like forty percent of these people. Uh, to not have that just seems it, it's so much. Seems more ridiculous, expensive. doesn't it? I know, man. It seems absurd. How many things do we turn a blind eye to or say no to because it has the word drug attached to it? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, but I mean, all the pharmaceutical... You know, is it one of those questions where it's like, well, pharmaceutical companies aren't going to be interested because they're not going to be able to patent it and of course. make the millions of dollars because it just grows naturally and boom, there it is. Certainly has to be a consideration, right? It's got to be, right? It's Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely has to be. One of the big shifts that I liked him talking about, Paul talked about how in about 2008, he did the TED Talk or went to TED, TEDx, and uh-huh. was was kind of just perceived as a bit of a whack job and a bit whack, of a loon. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, look at this guy with his mushrooms and wanting to talk about tripping all the time. But then he went back later, many years later, yeah, I think like 2016 or 2018, I don't know. You know, about 10 years later. Sure. And the reception was completely different. He's oh, talking about like high-level people coming up to him and being like, I've microdosed, this has helped me, I've done X, Y, and C. Like, there's just a shift in the understanding and consciousness, and that's a small amount of time. That's very positive stuff. Sure. Uh, I it's amazing how much the world can change in just 10 years. Right. Yeah. yeah I good, believe it. For the best. I believe it. That's nice. That's a, well, that's I mean, a good you, thing. You know, I mean, kids start growing up with this stuff and they start questioning all the, uh, the you know, the tight assness of what's happening around them. And they're like, you guys just need to cool out and try some more shit. And there you go. All of a sudden it's accepted. I mean, yeah. drugs, gay marriage. I mean, you. I mean, anything. You give it enough time, things are going to be accepted. Yeah, and you know, there's pushback, and some things get reversed. But but overall, it's like when it really does come down to something that's like it's not hurting anybody. It's hard to keep that uh, illegal. Completely. That's what it seems like, and that's a very so positive thing about the way that our government and laws work. It, it gives is. you hope. You know, it, it really seems to. There's some Change. good um, resources to check out for him. You can go to fungi.com and he has something called hostdefense.com. And through those sites, you can look up a bunch of, uh, he has like a supplement line kind of, you know, for like nootropics mm-hmm. that I've heard a lot of good things about uh, helping your brain and, and thinking. And then also the, he talked a lot about how lion's mane, that, that fungi is uh, mm-hmm. connected to, uh, I believe he was saying like it stays off uh, dementia. Which is very promising because that's fucking brutal. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot that they can do with shit like that. That this should be researched. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Well, it's good that people are out there like him because then we can just skip having to wait for it and just be exactly. like, look, uh, let him do a bit of the research. We'll do it ourselves. I'll take it. It's not going to hurt me. See, uh, see if there's any good effects. Yeah. 
I think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, I let's encourage dose. Next up. Let's do it. We have uh, Matt Taibbi, 1386. Matt is Rolling Stones journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he has Hunter S. Thompson's old job, from what yeah. I'm saying, which is fucking cool as shit. Kind of makes sense. Which means he must be a badass. Like, that's all you need to know about someone. He's going to be a creative badass because they would never just plonk any. That's such a. I mean, that is the job in he's journalism, a, right? Yeah, he's a smart, irreverent fucking dude. It, it makes sense that he, that he has Hunter S. Thompson's old job. It makes perfect sense. He, he jumps into the Epstein murder, right? Or yeah. suicide, quote, alleged murder, well, whatever. So, <laughs> right. alleged suicide. Really, Joe brought it up because it's on Joe's mind. But now, Always. we are getting... A lot more information about this. And I remember when it first happened, and you know me, I jumped on the conspiracy, and you were like, oh, dude, that's what everyone thinks. But yeah, and that is true. That's reasonable. It's like everyone wants to jump on that. But this one is really opening up. They just arrested the, the uh, guards. prison guards. Yeah. Ah. Fuck, this is exciting. It's um, the plot thickens, as mm-hmm. it were. And Prince Edward, uh, yeah. so that's Prince Charles's brother, who like had... He was like friends with Epstein. Or is it? They were, is it Prince Andrew? It's Prince Andrew, isn't was it? it? Oh fuck! I should know that. I'm English. Andrew, right? Yep. <laughs> Fucking yep. blimey! God, yeah, God, Prince God. Andrew. So it shows how much I care about them. Um, but but you know they've always been shielded <laughs> forever. Sure. Right? They really have. Like stories do not make it to press if it's negative about them because they're worried they won't get an interview with with William and fucking his wife and right, you know, of course, just all this Kate. shit. So. So, to have it to where now he said he's gone, he did that interview on television, I don't know if you saw any of that, but it was awkward as fuck, and he was like blinking loads and quite honestly looking guilty as all hell. (laughs) Guilty Um, as fuck. Yeah, and like just straight up denying, I have no memory of this person, but there's a ton of pictures of them together, this young girl that was like basically sex trafficked by Epstein, Mm -hmm. and now he's gone to the Queen, because I guess... That's how you do it. You got to ask her permission, and said, "Look, I'm going to pull away from my from my royal duties because this whole controversy is like getting in the way, you know." Nuts, and dude. I've never heard of anything like that. This that I mean, season of the Crown is going to be my favorite, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting to see what they do on that. Oh but my god, it's fascinating because it's like obviously, look, something weird happened. And there, there is some shit, like, people's, this was going to be a massive case, like, the biggest case you could imagine, and it just kind of dropped because then he died. Right. right. And people are saying this looks funky, and they're like, no, 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 we checked it, it's all good. But it's just so out of place. It's, they're struggling to keep it together, and I really am fascinated. I know people are getting bored of all those fucking memes of Epstein, though a lot of them are pretty hilarious. Uh, sure. But- some stuff's going to open up about this. And if there's anything that we should exhaustively look into, it's fucked up shit with sex trafficking of minors. A like, billion are you kidding percent. Me? 100 billion percent, without a doubt. Yeah. Has has your take on this changed a little bit then? Or are you still very suspicious? Are you like, nah, he killed himself? I, I, I'm, I'm always... I, I'm just always suspicious of suspicious of conspiracy theories to begin with because i think it's just what people feel based on nothing else 
And I'm always just like, yeah, but, you know, one person feels one way, another person feels another way. So one of you is fucking wrong. So, like, your feelings don't mean anything to me. Um, I'm always about... But but at the same time, circumstances are are important. But it was as plausible to me that he would kill himself as it would be that he would be murdered. It wasn't implausible that he would kill himself to me. It wasn't, this wasn't, yeah, yeah, this wasn't a guy with everything to live for that was probably going to get out and have a great life. He was fucking ruined. He was going to be in jail forever. This billionaire that lived his entire life free of any restrictions aside from the laws of physics. That was it. The dude literally could do anything he wanted on Earth. If he wanted to fuck a tiger, he could fuck a tiger. Like, the shit that he would have been able to do with the amount of money he had. So, to basically, in one fell swoop, take every bit of that away. It was not out of the realm of possibility to think that he killed himself. Reasonable. yeah, I agree. Um, but I agree. But so God, when, you know, he's you just knew as soon as you heard it, and the people that he'd been around, and the people that went to his island, that it wasn't like oh he was going to go to jail, and it was right. just him. He had some no, totally. He had bargaining tools. He had some motherfuckers his. with him. But life is also isn't like a Mission Impossible movie. So for me, I was also like, I don't know. I mean, to get, I mean, th- it's not inconceivable that guards could be paid half a million dollars to look the other way while somebody jacks him inside or something like that. But I don't, you know, I don't see a Colombiana mission impossible type scenario where somebody like sneaks into a cell, kills him and sneaks out or anything like that. And I think a lot of people see way too many movies and think way too many things are possible where they're not. But, um, but I'm definitely interested to see how this unfolds. And if there's definitely and if there's evidence that he was murdered, I'm not gonna sit here and go, no, nah, dog, he committed suicide. I'd be like, yeah, it looks like he was fucking murdered, which is also plausible to me. That's yeah. you know, so that's kind of that's how I approach well, it. I'm definitely it's interesting. It's not even so much for me like whether he did it or not. Like, mm-hmm. okay, it, does it even matter? But yeah, it does a bit. Like you can't have murderers out there. But the real right. question is like they were saying that as a trader, so he was like a trader too, right? sure, but he never made any trades that people know about or like really any Mm. substantial ones and he was interviewed by a guy that knows a ton about this the the sort of work that he was doing spoke to him and was like that fucking dude doesn't know what he's talking about Uh. he does not know and i wish i remember the guy's name but that to me is kind of fascinating and he was also Mm -hmm. given a 70 million dollar new york apartment by the owner of victoria's secret so it's like hold on did he get his money by just like either just blackmailing people after they came to the island or is like some sort of like bartering system like people just Could pay be. for him to like house this whole stuff that's Could all the be. kind of information i want to get to the bottom of it's like that to me is really fascinating and fuck them start arresting them all but oh, again all. How, do you, how many fucking billionaires can you arrest like like you said they can do anything they want anything and they're they gonna want. find a way to like try and squash this shit so i'm glad this this story has some legs i really am i I am too man and i'd love to see everyone that was ever even thought about touching a kid in that way on that fucking island i'd like to see them burned at the goddamn stake to be perfectly honest 
on the on the political front, right? Because obviously we know Matt is is deep in that. He he talked a lot about how the race, like the political race, wasn't. They didn't really. Uh, sh- the press didn't really show the polls correctly coming up to the election. Like mm-hmm. they were getting a lot more information that like Trump was doing a lot better. And mm-hmm. he was saying that basically the, the narrative was don't show it because it will depress people. Just show that Hillary is doing better than she is. Mm. That logic doesn't make any sense to me at all. Wouldn't it be None. better just to panic people and get them to the, you know, maybe someone's like being lazy and totally. like, ah, she's going to win it anyway. I'm not going to go vote. Totally. Well, if you go to 538.com, it's Nate Silver's um, Nate Silver's website. He does a lot of uh, poll aggregation. He's kind of like Rotten Tomatoes, but for polls. Um, he talked about it a lot. He talked about it a lot. Um, was actually, he, was the, he accurate? Yeah, actually. And the he, he talked about it. Actually, the polls were within the margin of error. Like Trump won Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin by a total of 77,000 votes. That's less than 1%. Um, and he was within the margin of error on all, in all three states. So he's, um, usually the margin of error is three to four points. Um, and a lot of those states showed Hillary up about three to four points, which is the margin of error. And Trump ended up winning by less than one point. So those polls were actually fairly accurate. Um, huh. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about. But, I mean, they were, they were accurate. I mean, the projections were off. Everybody projected Hillary to win. They projected her to win in a pretty big fashion, to be perfectly honest. And I think a lot of people but, were... But aren't the polls projections? They're but, not like... But, no, polls are no polls are just... Polls are metrics. So um, you have... So let's say Wisconsin shows Hillary up three. But then... So you take that... You take that poll, combine it with other polls, combine it with other polls from other states. You get your national polls. And then they place odds on the predictive or percentage of what am I trying to say? They place odds on her likely victory. And so a lot of people were saying based on all this, she was the most likely victor by like 77% or something like that. I think those were a little skewed, but um, it it is disconcerting though. When you Mm -hmm. hear things like this from such a respected reporter, because it kind of feeds that narrative of like the fake news. It's like, well, who the fuck are we supposed to listen to now? You know, and it only supports it and it allows politicians to just be like, it's fake news, bullshit, don't listen at all. Right. And that builds steam. Like, it's easy to be like, yeah, we're not going to listen to them. And also maybe not the politicians. First of all, what the hell are we listening to? We're just listening to like Trump tweets. Yeah. Well, I think most people don't, I, I think most people don't trust the news anyway. I think there's a lot of people that find it that they either don't trust the news or they have no faith because of the bullshit they cover anyway, or because of the angles or the spin that they put on things. I mean, cause you have one, you have one side dedic you have one site or one news organization dedicated to the right. You have one dedicated to the left. You have CNN that it's probably more in the middle, but there's still, but I mean, Let's be real. Every damn anchor they have on there is a Democrat. So it's going to be very hard for conservatives to take them seriously because they're going to think they're slanted. They're serious newsmen. And I really do think a lot of them do try to be as unbiased as humanly possible. I really do. Whereas MSNBC, they are unabashedly liberal and they make no bones about it. Um, And then the other and the same is true for Fox News. But it's going to be very difficult 
for say Republicans to take CNN seriously um, because they are clearly liberal. They are clearly right. Democrat. Well, Fox News is the other end of the spectrum, right? Absolutely, and that's why I yeah. keep including it. No, there's no liberal that will go to Fox News and take them seriously. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so just, you have a it's lot a of tough that. one. You know, I mean, shit. People are. It's not uncommon now for people to turn to fucking Rogan for the news, and that's that's a crazy thing. I mean, one time I was up watching him do some stand up at stand up on the spot, and somebody did bring up podcast to him. Which uh-huh. is kind of a lazy category because he's like, fuck's sake, I'm trying to Very. make comedy up here. But he, he's respectful and he answered it. And he said something really interesting in that show because obviously he's just free-flowing and he's trying to find a joke out of something. And mm-hmm. before he got there, he talked a little bit about how fucking crazy it is that he's the guy that people will turn to for some of this information. Mm-hmm. He's like the fear factor guy. Is your f- the guy that used to make somebody eat like a fucking donkey's dick is the guy that you're turning to. And what I liked about the way he said it, even though it was very funny, is that he's like, I want a guy to turn to. Right. And I, you know, who's my guy? And then, and then the, he turns to all of them. Him and that's funny as hell to me. I'm he's like, holy inf- shit. He's an information aggregator, but you know what? He represents, I think, I think more people feel like he represents how they feel than any elected official on either side period that because they're in their suits they're they've got their props they've got their righteous indignation and you know but but they're rich as fuck and it's easy for them to they talk in they talk in bullshit and theoreticals and stuff and joe is kind of he's been in the mud and he's a regular dude that likes regular things and he's on and he leans towards the hobbies of both sides, left and right, and things like that. And I think a lot of people see themselves in them, and he is, whether he'll admit it or not, he's an intelligent guy that is always seeking answers. And he listens to intelligent arguments. I mean, and he has, and he's very common sense. Like you and yeah, I well, were he talking. He has very simple answer like questions too which is really nice he doesn't try and get he's just like well why is this or how do you know that like you and i were talking about um him with ben shapiro and how he's like you won't go to a gay wedding will you go to a party that serves shrimp like where do you draw the line that's a great fucking question it's pointing out hypocrisy right then and there you don't have to get esoteric or wacky about it you don't have to be strange or self-righteous or or classist you're just like it's flat on the table Answer this. You can't. You're a fucking hypocrite type of thing. What do you think about, remember, I I don't know if I told you, but a while back, and I I think we talked about this, but but there was a petition online for Joe to host. To host a debate. Yeah. And obviously he's got no interest in it. But imagine this, right? Think how big his show is. Yeah. Like it's it's bigger than any late night show. Yep. For sure. So there would be a three-hour-long audience. So now it's not something you have to put on television Mm -hmm. to where you cut up with commercials and everyone only gets 30 seconds. Imagine if it was just like a roundtable with Joe and everyone running for office, and he's just throwing these questions at him, and they've got three hours. To think that it won't have millions and millions of people watch that shit. Totally. For the entire amount of time, you'd be out of your mind. So if it's a numbers game, if it was like, well, we want to make money with the debates and we want to put the commercials in, look, there's money there. Like, there there would be plenty of money to be made. And what a fucking fascinating conversation that... Because no one could get away with bullshit. No. I'm in... 
all, I'm all in if Joe is allowed to be the one that argues with the candidate. I don't want to see the two candidates, like, because they'll go back into their political speak and type thing. I want Joe to wrestle. So if Bernie says something, you know, I want Joe to be able to wrestle with it. How do you pay for it? Blah, 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 blah. Those questions. And when Trump says something, he's like, how can you talk about immigrants that way? Your mom was an immigrant. Like, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Your wife blah. is, right? Yeah, your wife is. All your wives were. Like, how can you, you know, how can you demonize that? I, I'd like to see him go at it. I'd like it because it's, it sounds like something that couldn't be possible, but we're living in weird times, man. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at either. all. I would love to see candidates be brave enough to attempt it. And then the beautiful thing about this is like, when we've said it before, Trump got into power by doing what he did, right? And it's going to train other people that are running, they're going to model this. They're going to be like this mm. attack and deny and da-da-da, yep. and the conversation breaks down, and it and it's going to get people elected, and who knows who that will put in office, right? Mm. Not, and I'm not saying anything good or bad either way about Trump, but it's it, that particular way of doing it is a very effective strategy, and it doesn't really open you up to good dialogue. That I think everyone can agree on. Yep. And But then... If the road to your success becomes this long sit-down, long-form conversation, calm and talking where where we're going to really see if you know what the fuck you're talking about, Mm -hmm. if you're on your shit, and if you're like a decent person, and then suddenly that's the road, Mm -hmm. that changes things. Now people are like, oh, I've got to train for this. This is the type of person I have to be to become president. And that's those are the types of attributes you would want you know Mm -hmm. if you get somebody that can sit down and calmly talk with joe for three hours this is why when those politicians go on and and even bernie let's be fair he did a great job i bet yeah he picked up a lot of followers you know just from being able to calmly like talk through these issues and not sound like a wacko i thought he was way more wacky than he turned out to be that was just how i perceived it but i was like oh this fucking dude actually perception is everything man Perception's yeah, everything like in politics. Super reasonable. Plus, but you just also... don't get enough time. You don't get enough time. No, that's why never. you have to have that perception. You got thirty seconds. You got one speech yep. that no one can argue back on. Yep. Who knows, man? I don't think it would be impossible in the next ten, twenty years. I don't know how much longer Joe has doing the podcast. I'm going to say twenty years. He's going to do it till he's seventy. He's going to get some good, yeah. good stem cells in him. Keep him looking young. <laughs> he's going. He's already pumping himself full of those things. So, yeah, that could be, that wouldn't be a bad way of doing it. It definitely would be better than this stupid debates that they put on, for sure. Yeah. I think. Who knows? Because otherwise, I'd love to see that type of forum, that's for sure. That would be great. That would be great. Anyway, Matt, you're a genius. We loved having you on. Um, You know, thank God reporters are out there doing this stuff. You know, exactly trying to not just clickbaity shit, but like real stories. They're the last of the lot. And uh, man, it's a shame. Anyway, that's it for us today. Thank you, as always, Mark, for everybody listening. Uh, And I really should put these announcements at the beginning, but I keep forgetting. Uh, Email us with any suggestions, comments, questions at Joe Rogan Experience Review at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. I, I get back to most people. Um, so any anything you have to say, we'd like to hear it. And uh, also follow us on Instagram, uh, the same handle, Joe Rogan Experience Review. So as always, guys, love you, appreciate you. Thanks a lot.
Cheers, guys.